This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Um, Julio, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Hearing your story, it was very powerful. You were actually recommended to me by somebody else. Well, you, you sent me the email and then I have like a million unread emails in my inbox. It's hard for me to like keep up with them all. I know who mentioned. Yes. And so then somebody else was like, Hey, you need to check out Julio's email. He emailed you. And I'm so happy that I got that little nudge because I know you're supposed to be on the podcast and share oh, your story. So thank you. Thank you so much. I'm yes. super excited to be here. I listened to your story first on Saints Unscripted and I loved your story and I follow your podcast and I love the stories there. So I'm super stoked to be here. I'm so happy to have you here and thank you for <laughs> being a, a fan of the podcast and all the love. So thank you so much. Good share. Why don't you tell us like maybe just a little bit of background about where you live now and then let's jump into your story. Yeah. So I grew up in Cali, Colombia in South America and uh, I speak Spanish. Spanish is my first language and I moved to Canada in 2008 at the age of 23. I came here and uh, I originally lived in Toronto and that's where I met my wife and where we had all of our children in, in Ontario. And recently, in the last three years, we moved towards uh, the West. So we are an hour and a half away from Vancouver, which is perhaps the, the, the biggest city people would recognize. But yeah, so I'm in Canada right now, British Columbia, and we love it here. We love the mountains and we love the weather here. I love it. And how many kids do you have? We have three kids. I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a four-year-old. And well, she's not quite eight. She's actually seven, but she'll turn eight in a couple of weeks. So we're preparing for baptism and she's super excited. And I can't believe everybody says that, right? Time flies, blah, blah, blah. But it's so true. I can't believe four years ago, she was asking me to practice with her how to get baptized because she wanted to get baptized when she turned eight and she was only like four and we we're already practicing how to do her baptism and all of that. And I can believe it's already happening in a couple of weeks. So super excited about that. I can relate. I have a seven, almost eight year old and it's so true. Time flies so fast and Crazy. yeah, so I get <laughs> Well, awesome. Okay. Well, let's, let's jump into your story. For sure. So uh, as I said, I grew up in Colombia in a, in a family who was members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I loved the church. I was one of those kids that just sung uh, primary music all the time on Sundays. I loved primary, loved primary presentations, very much into, you know, my artistic side in the primary presentations. I was, you know, almost like staging up full production and giving all the suggestions to my teacher and she loved it. And it was wonderful. I love growing up in the church. It was amazing. I had a great experience learning about my identity, who I am as a child of God. That was all so beautiful. And I had such a strong connection with my Heavenly Father. Growing up, I had very strong spiritual experiences, even as a young boy, where I knew God lived with no doubt. And I could feel His presence and His love for me so strongly that 
you know, I loved reading the scriptures. Like when the time came to uh, go to seminaries, I would go to seminary, no problem. I, I was that kind of kid that, yeah, they never had to prompt me to go to seminary, read my scriptures, or any of that. I just loved them. There was a really cool experience I had when I was 14 going to the temple dedication of the Bogota temple with President Hinckley dedicating the temple. And that was the biggest, most significant uh, spiritual experience I ever had. So powerful, so incredibly powerful, so tangible for me almost. Like I had no doubt that God lived and that he was real and that he answered my prayers. And I had a very close relationship with Heavenly Father that way but soon after you know around 16 15 16 i started to notice that there was something different that i was not like other boys i was not developing the same kind of attraction towards the girls that other boys my age were the conversations were different the interests were very different and yeah i'm like okay <laughs> uh i'm being taught that you know, marriage is important for to God and that I should be getting married. And here I am not having those attractions. And on the contrary, I started to notice that I liked my peers, that I was having attractions towards other boys, that uh, I actually had an infatuation for my best friend at the time. And that was very confusing. And that was very conflicting because I'm like, okay, God, you're asking me to marry a woman, but here I am not liking women. And instead I like men or boys, like what's going on. And I started my own spiritual journey, my own Gethsemane, trying to understand it and put two and two together. And, and, and it was really hard to find that. Yeah, it was really hard to put those two feelings together, my spirituality and my sexuality. Did you know anybody that was gay or had you been exposed to that? Or was this like totally foreign to you? Totally foreign. Uh, it was actually my mom that at some point she explained to me about homosexuality. She had obviously could tell. She brought it up one day. You know, she, she painted it in a very negative way. And all around me, when it came to homosexuality, jokes, and I, I experienced a lot of a bullying in the church, outside of the church, at school, everywhere. It was really hard as a teenager goes through puberty because of that. I was, yeah, constantly being made fun of. So that was hard. I wanted to have friends. I wanted to have other boys to be friends, but it wasn't usually the case that other boys wanted to be my friends. Instead, they were just like mocking me. And so that was hard uh, to go through that uh, on top of, you know, the connection to God and trying to understand what was happening. And I asked God to take this away from me for so long. Uh, I remember fasting every week for months and praying and reading the scriptures. At some point, I started to talk to my leaders, probably closer to like 18. I started talking to my leaders about that. And they just didn't have any answers. They didn't have kind of like... The things that they just told me the things that I was already doing, read your scriptures or, you know, um, pray and that kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm already doing that. I've been doing that for years and this is not going away. So yeah, at some point I met someone when I was going to university and 
I just fell in love with this person and I decided to stop going to church. And obviously that was a huge decision, but at the time I just thought, okay, I'm just going to give myself an opportunity to love, to experience love and just, okay, I've tried to get rid of these feelings. They don't go away. So I'm just going to go just follow them. And so I went to my dad's office in the bishopric. He was a, a member of the bishopric. And I, I just went to this office in the church building and I told him that I'm not coming back to church. He asked me like, did you meet someone? And I'm like, yeah. And like, he, he knew, he knew, like, you know, he knew. And so he's like, it's okay. He said, I know you'll be back. And that moment was just so interesting because I was expecting, you know, like him getting mad or anything like that. But he just said, I know you'll be back. And those words just were stuck in my head for the rest of my journey for what was coming. So here I was for nine years, I was away from the church. I was excommunicated and I was living, yeah, just doing whatever I wanted to do, uh, partying, having fun. I had lots of fun. I made really good friends, really good people that I had fun with. And yeah, all of that was great, but it wasn't fulfilling. You know, it wasn't fulfilling. It was fun. Mm -hmm. But the next day, you know, it was like that rush of dopamine. But then the next day I had the downers, right? Like I would just have like not a good morning the next day. I remember partying on Saturday nights, having a great time. And then Sunday mornings were so sad. We're so empty. And for many years, I was able to kind of ignore all of that, ignore the emptiness inside by partying more. <laughs> uh, but after, yeah, many years, I came to a point one night where I was like, okay, this is not working for me. What am I doing with my life? And I chose to, well, I didn't choose to. I actually couldn't fall asleep. I was probably on something. I just couldn't fall asleep. And I remember having this conversation with myself, you know, sort of like when Alma or Paul were in that spot or being sick in bed and, you know, starting to recognize the state of their soul. That's where I was. And I, I connect a lot with Alma and Paul in that regard, just like recognizing what am I doing with my life? I'm full of darkness. And at that moment, I remembered the words, I am a child of God. And that moment was as if a particle of light entered into my life. And I found hope all of a sudden in that moment. And I felt peace with that thought. From that point on, that particle of light just started to grow. I started to go back to church, not necessarily going back or choosing to say, okay, I'm coming back kind of thing. But I went to church that one Sunday and then the next one. And it just felt good. It just felt like, oh my goodness, I, I feel God's love. I feel the love of the people. And I started to remember things that I knew as a child. And it was almost as if all the darkness that I was in started to disappear. It was as if my bandwidth all of a sudden opened up and it, you know, I was receiving like more light and knowledge from God and either remembering things or starting to make new connections and recognizing that there was new knowledge coming to my life. 
And that was so fun. That was always so fun for me. I, I always loved learning about everything and spiritual things when it was one of the things that I enjoyed learning. So I felt like God was instructing me again. I started to read my scriptures again. I started to pick up books from Desert Book. And and actually, I started to read about same-sex attraction. And I started to realize I was not the only one who was LGBTQ in the church uh, I came across Ty Mansfield and his book, In Quiet Desperation, and that was really good. I started to get acquainted with people at North Star International. It's a uh, ministry uh, based out of Provo, Utah. Where Tell us what North Star is for yeah, those who don't know what North Star is. Absolutely, yeah. So North Star is, as I was saying, a ministry for LGBTQ people who are members of the church. And they align with church doctrine and uh, they support the prophets and the apostles. And it was incredible to be able to find a group of people that understood what I was going through, who were members of the church. Many had served missions, many were married. I started to meet married people in the church who were LGBTQ. And that to me, it blew my mind because getting married was something that I had always wanted to have in my life. Like I had always wanted to have a family and children of my own. And that gave me hope to meet people. I mean, today it's more normal, right? To meet people, LGBTQ individuals who are married and are members of the church. But at the time it was like eye-opening. Yeah, my mind just exploded, right? Just thinking that that was possible. Because where I was left off, where my story was left off when I was 18, 19, when I left the church, that those two things could not, be put together right so at the first north star conference it was actually called reconciling faith and feelings and that was perfect that was absolutely perfect to what i needed i needed to reconcile those two sides of me that at some point i thought i needed to negate one or the other right as a teenager i was negating my sexuality later as a, a young adult i was negating my spirituality which was essential to who I am but here I was in a place where they were telling me you can actually have them both you don't have to choose you can live both happily and that was incredible that was wonderful to be able to find hope in Christ that all things are possible through him wow that is so beautiful I love that so you've mentioned that North Star was in Provo so mm -hmm. when did you go to Utah like Connect some dots for me here. Right. We... Okay. So I met the producer of some videos called the Voices of Hope videos, which are awesome. It's a collection of LGBTQ individuals, members of the church who share their testimony. So I just had this very strong prompting when I was living in Toronto and I was single to go to Utah. And I, I listened to that prompting. I just left my job, the apartment I was living in. I was living comfortably. I had a, a good job, salary benefits. I was doing well. And I dropped everything for this prompting. And I went to Salt Lake. And I ended up meeting this producer. And he's like, I think you should do a Voices of Hope video. And my background, my professional background, my educational background at the time was in uh, theater and drama or acting. I went to school for acting. So in my head at that point, I was still going to be a famous actor, right? I was just going to be a famous Hollywood star and all these uh, crazy things that I was dreaming about. 
And I'm like, oh, if I make a video about this, this is not going to help with my career. And so I was like, ah, no. <laughs> and then we were walking by the Salt Lake Temple and I just had the most distinct impression that I was supposed to do this, like clear as day. I, I'm like, okay. And he wanted me to do a video in Spanish specifically. So it was the first video in Spanish of the voice of a video. So I did it. And then I came back to Toronto. And when I was in Toronto, I just want to share a little bit of a story that is background for the future. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so when, before leaving to Utah, I had this friend of mine call and say, hey, I got a job. I'm a manager at a restaurant, blah, blah, blah. I'm so And so I was like, oh, I'm so excited for you. We hung up. And then the spirit told me very clearly, like I heard a voice. The, not always we hear like an actual voice. This time I heard a voice. And the voice said, she's going to call you in two months and offer you a job. And I'm like, I don't need a job. I have a really good job. But sure. Okay. Then I went to Utah, did the voice of hope video, which I understood later. That's why I needed to go to Utah. Came back to Toronto. And then I'm, I'm, I'm employed and I get a call from my friend and she's like, Hey, I heard you're back. I'm like, yeah. She's like, um, you should come work for us. This is a great, great place to work at, but it was minimum wage, a few hours, you know, and, and, and that's not what I was looking for. I, I felt like I could get a, a job like the one I had before leaving, but I remember that voice and I said, okay. So I said, yes. And anyway, I ended up working there. The reason why that is important is because when I met my wife at Institute in Toronto, it was, yeah, we just, we just met, we just had a very simple, casual conversation, you know, nothing special, but we, we, we had a, we had a chat. A couple of weeks later after that conversation, she comes through the doors of the restaurant where I was working at. And at this point, I'm just coming back to the church, right? Anyway, she comes to the restaurant and I'm like, oh, hey. And she's like, hi, Jorge. And I'm like, hi, it's Julio. She's like, oh, okay. She was just going up with any J name in Spanish, right? But I also didn't remember her name. So I'm not, I wasn't offended. I'm like, yeah, Brittany. I'm like, oh, hi, Brittany. Uh, what are you doing here? She's like, I actually work in this building. I'm like, what? She's like, ah, yeah, I work in the 23rd floor of this building. And that was very significant because from then on, we started to become friends. And whenever I had a, a hard time, one time she's like, uh, I'll bring you some cookies that I made, uh, coconut cookies. And so she would bring them down. And sometimes she was having a hard time. She, I was like, just come downstairs. I'll hook you up with a drink or something. That was definitely Heavenly Father in the details guiding me to take a job that I wouldn't taken I wouldn't have taken otherwise but that allowed my wife and I to start becoming friends and I can see God's hands in all of this it, it is a miracle that I even developed an attraction for my wife not because she isn't beautiful she's gorgeous and fun and smart and wonderful but I just never had that kind of feelings towards women. And it wasn't until we went out salsa dancing with uh, some YSA in Toronto. I experienced that kind of chemistry. Like we were dancing on the dance floor. Coming from Colombia, I'm a dancer, right? Like everybody dances. And so 
salsa dancing that's when we had like it was magical i i swear it was like in the movies i felt like in the movies like there was a cow wow. like following us <laughs> because it was that powerful that magical that and so when we finished dancing that one time i'm like okay i guess i can do this <laughs> i guess i can do this it was quite miraculous for me to be able to find someone that i always thought even though i wanted a family i always thought i could never have a family. So incredible. So beautiful. I am just so amazed. Were you re-baptized at this point? Right. right. Or were yeah. you, because you mentioned you got excommunicated. Yeah. Oh, where I, does the rebaptism come into play? Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to going back to the church, right? I started to go back to the church. And at some point I talked to one of my brothers. I'm like, how do I know? I've been coming to church for like six eight weeks now how do i know that okay I'm, I'm ready to come back and he's like just just go talk to your bishop so i talked to my bishop who was amazing he was such an amazing man he is from brazil he was just so loving and kind my dad at some point was his counselor not at the time when i came back but in the past he had my dad had been his counselor and so he had a, so much love for my dad everybody loves my dad but yeah he he just had a special love for being my dad's son, right? And so he just took me in. He just really embraced me in. And at some point he said, when you're ready to come back and to be baptized again, just let me know and we'll do the paperwork. And so, uh, yeah, that's how it happened. I started to receive uh, missionaries in my home. And that was so special to listen to the words uh, from Joseph Smith again for the first time in years. I had the weirdest experience where it was almost like I had three-dimensional like uh, depth perception again like I had lost it seriously it was very weird after they shared th those words with me it was like I was starting to see differently I don't know how to explain it anyway I don't wow know. I love that analogy of like you can see things like more depth seriously it was in a physical way but it works metaphorically too but it was yeah. physical it was like like something happened i don't know what i don't know how to explain it but it doesn't matter the point is these missionaries are amazing i'm, I'm still in contact with uh one of them he's in, in utah and we've uh seen him you know he's got children i got children now and we've reconnected our wives are like best friends now and anyway it's it's been an incredible journey and it's just interesting how heavenly father sends the right people mm -hmm. i remember when they came through the door for the first time as missionaries uh the first thing they said we are representatives of jesus christ and that was so literal like i the spirit was just so strong telling me how literal that was like jesus sent them mm -hmm. and i just felt the reality of that because i was dead i was in a spiritual coma mm -hmm. and it was as if jesus had come to find me and heal me and transform me oh my gosh and he just took me in just like the scriptures right like we we read these scriptures and it's just so literal how he is like that shepherd that goes and finds the 100th right yeah, and he just goes and and goes for the one, mm -hmm. and that at that moment that was me. And I didn't meet my savior until this point when 
I had to find the power of repentance in my life. Because before I had a very strong relationship with my Heavenly Father as my father, but I didn't really understand the role of Jesus. And I had to go through these experiences to meet Jesus. And that's how I feel connected with Paul because Paul didn't meet Jesus like the other apostles did, right? He met Jesus as a resurrected being like later. And so he didn't see the miracles being performed. He didn't see all those things, but Jesus did something miraculous in Paul's life for Paul to rejoice in difficulties, rejoice in trials and tribulation because in trials and tribulation is when Paul met Jesus. And something super interesting about Paul too is that he asked God, he says he asked the the thorn to be removed three times, the thorn in the flesh, and it was never removed. It doesn't say what it was. It doesn't say why God didn't want to remove the thorn in the flesh, whatever it was. But I feel so identified with that. I begged so many times and one time as I was reading about Paul and this situation with Paul in, in Quiet Desperation, the book, I realized, oh my goodness, I might be 60 and still be attracted to guys. How is this going to work out? Holy cow. And so that brought me to the floor. I was crying. I was sobbing. I was, I was so inconsolably devastated. And I just started to pray. I just started to pray. And by the end of that prayer... I was saying, thank you. Hmm. I was saying, thank you for this experience. Thank you for my same-sex attraction. Thank you. And that was like, it was, it was 180 degrees change for me because from going to wanting to get rid of this, I started to recognize I am who I am and I love who I am. I, at, at that point, I was loving myself. I wasn't loving myself when I was 16 and suicidal. But at this point, I was happy with who I had become. The person that I've become is kind. Sometimes not, but you know. Uh, you know you try to be. Right, yeah. And I'm drawn to spiritual things. I'm drawn to the arts. And I am sensitive. I try to be loving. I enjoy love, being loving. I, I enjoy being kind and... I recognize that there was nothing wrong with who I was and that the experience of Samson's attraction had helped me come closer to God. If I go on my knees quick, if I want to read the scriptures, it's because my experience, right? Like mm -hmm. it, the experience itself has, itself has brought me closer to him. And so I found value in the experience itself and I thanked for it. And I think that made a huge difference in how I perceived myself and my relationship to my savior and to the church. And I stopped worrying so much about how I was going to get married because it didn't ma matter so much anymore. Jesus was going to take care of it. He's in charge. I have nothing to worry about, which by the way, it's very much my dad's attitude towards life in general. He's just mm -hmm. so chill about problems. He's just like, why do I have to worry? Jesus is with me. I have nothing to be worried about. He'll take care of it. And so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. And, and, you know, so during that time, I remember listening to so many videos, church videos that obviously at the time I was a teenager didn't exist, but now the church was on YouTube, 
right? So this was new to me. And I remember listening to videos like Return to Virtue by Sister Dalton. Huh. Uh, like I, I, uh, I listened to that every day for months. Every single day I had my devotional. There was a, a I Am a Child of God version with people singing, different people singing in it. Andrea Bocelli's The Lord's Prayer. Songs that for me were bring me closer to God after so many years. And so, yeah, a year after coming back to attending church, I was rebaptized. I was rebaptized April 7, 2013. And that summer was when I met Brittany. That summer is when I went to Utah to the recording of the Voices of Hope video. And that same year, I received the Melchizedek priesthood because I was excommunicated as a priest. And so... I received the Melchizedek priesthood around six months after being baptized. That was key. That was key for me to receive the priesthood because I had an experience where I felt like God was telling me, you need to have the Melchizedek priesthood. The Voices of Hope video came out in Spanish on a Sunday. Monday morning, 10 a.m., I had my first message of someone who said he had he knew my family. He was in the same state as my niece in Colombia. He had served a mission in Toronto, so he knew my parents and my siblings. And then he's like, I also experienced same-sex attraction. Please help me. And I freaked out. I'm like, help you? How? I can't even help myself. What are you talking about? And he just listened to this video. This video wasn't even out for like 12 hours. and He had already watched it. I was like, what is happening here? I was freaking out. I had a panic attack. I don't even know how, but I'm very dramatic. So I had a panic attack. And I call my mom. I call a couple of friends. My mom t tells me, it's okay. Just just pray. So I prayed. And I told Heavenly Father how I was feeling. And his answer was simple. He said, you have my priesthood now. You have the power to help people. Wow. And boom. I was like, okay. My worries, my concerns, my fear, my anxiety went away. That I re replied to him and I ended up re in, in the last 10 years. Last year was the 10th anniversary of making that video. I replied to hundreds of people who've approached me. I've met the most wonderful people. I think that the greatest gift of having experienced what I've experienced in my life, same-sex attraction and leaving the church and coming back and all of this has been meeting the most incredible humans, my friends, uh, who also experience same-sex attraction, who also love God, who also ha have a zeal to follow Him and serve Him and just can't reconcile those two things together. And I didn't serve a mission, obviously. I was away from the church at the time. So for me, my mission has been to support, minister, love my friends in the ways that the Lord has loved me. And I testify of God's love for all of His children because I've seen so many miracles and times where I get a prompting and I text one of my friends and he goes, how did you know? How did you know that you needed to reach out to me? And it's the greatest blessing for me to be able to serve these wonderful men and women who I love so much. This is one of the greatest blessings, definitely, of having experienced what I've experienced. I think it's so amazing how God works all things to the good of those who love him. And I, I can relate so much about what you're saying. And when I was going through my heroin addiction, I was, 
I didn't know if I was going to make it out alive. My family didn't know if I was going to make it out alive. I felt like the most worthless human being on planet earth. Like I was just a disaster. And looking back at that time, it was so dark and so hard. And I just, I was drowning. I was literally drowning. And I think now how going through that experience, it changed me as a person to be able to, and I mean, it's not, it's not just drug addiction and same sex attraction. And there's so many different things. Like I think for my parents, it was watching their daughter go through, like that was so heart wrenching and something that they had to endure. And these things that we go through, they give us this ability to connect with people on, on this deeper level. And just like what you said, you have all these comments on your video and it's like, it gives this incredible purpose to this pain that you went through in the past. Absolutely. And I would love to go through some ideas that I wanted to share tonight around that specific topic. Yeah. Is that okay? Yes, please. My intention is to give hope to family members because as you said, parents suffered so much. Mm -hmm. I know my parents suffered a lot seeing me make decisions that they didn't understand at the time and that they didn't agree with and that were harmful for my uh, well-being, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, everything. And having to go through that was so hard, but there is hope in Christ. Because he has a plan for all of us and he loves us so much. And he loves each one of us in a way that only he can do it. And so just hanging there. This is for the parents and the family members. Just hanging there. If your loved one is going through any kind of spiritual expansion, let's call it. Because at the end, it's going to be a spiritual expansion when they come back. Because I know they'll come back. Mm -hmm. There will be a time where we'll be able to look back and recognize how much my family members say the experience that helped them grow their faith and their hope and their uh, testimonies the most was the experience that I went through and seeing me go through that. Right. And so there is hope in Christ. And I wanted to talk about first about a video from Elder Holland called Wrong Roads. And it talks about how he and his son went to the desert and came back and they come to a a fork in the road and they can't figure out which way to take. So they pray and they both feel an answer from God saying, go to the left. And they get a mile later and they're like, oh, this was the wrong road. And so they had to come back and take, you know, the right road, get home. When they're home at night, and they have a conversation and, at that, and the son asks, why do you think that God told us both to go through the other road? And Elder Holland uh, wisely says, because I think sometimes God lets us take the wrong road so that we can know with all certainty which road is the right road. And that applies to my life so powerfully. I know with all certainty what's out there i've been i've tried everything i wanted to try i've done everything i wanted to do i don't have curiosity over things like oh what what would it be like to have a boyfriend i had a boyfriend right so that's done and now i know with all certainty even if at times i do have temptations moments of weakness desires to 
uh, go back to my previous life. I am able to come back and remember. I know what's there and I know with all certainty that this is my path. And I know with all certainty that Jesus brings the most joy to people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced it myself. So that is important. And as you said earlier, God has the power to make the best out of what sometimes we see as the worst things. And we see this in the fall, for example. Adam and Eve transgressed, and out of that, God is able to bring about humanity, the entire human family, right? Mm-hmm. Something that at the time was like, oh, a transgression. Oh, we made it, we, we, you know, uh, something bad. We went against God's laws or commandments, but he has the power to turn it around. Or, for example, Nephi. Nephi was commanded to go against the law um, for a greater purpose, right? Now, these are exceptions, obviously, but I do hear in the LGBT community actually quite a bit people who say, oh, God would never tell you to go get a boyfriend, right? Well, I, I relate to Nephi. Uh, he had a loss of innocence. I was listening to Brother Halverson's podcast for From Come Follow Me, and he talks about how Nephi lost his innocence in this experience. And it was God who asked him to do this. And whether or not God nudged me a bit in that direction, I lost my innocence in my experience nine years away from the church. But coming back, I've come back feeling the spiritual strength that has allowed me to become the man that I am today. Same like Nephi. Nephi, because of this experience, he he had to learn other spiritual lessons that made him who he became. And so there is a position in all things and we need to taste the bitter to know the sweet. And I went to the temple today and in the temple presentation, we listened to in at least three times I was able to count today, but I believe there is a one or two more instances where we hear this concept. And I'm just going to read read it in the words of Eve. I love the fact that we don't have many women's voices in the scriptures, unfortunately, but it's incredible that we get to listen to Eve speak. And so this is in Moses 4, verse 11. And she says, And Eve, his wife, heard all these things and was glad, saying, Were it not for our transgression." We never should have had seed and never should have known good and evil and the joy of our redemption and the eternal life which God giveth unto all the obedient. So do I glory in my weaknesses like Paul did? Yes. Am I grateful for the experiences that I had as dark and evil as they were? I don't know. I just love how Eve has the wisdom to see her transgression, not as a, as an evil thing, but as the means by which she learned to recognize good from evil. And this is the part that we listen to in the temple multiple times, multiple times. If you listen to it multiple times, that we have experiences in on this earth. And Elder Bednar says it also in a book called Acting Doctrine. He says, we either learn by faith or we learn by experience. And learning by experience is not wrong. 
It's part of the journey. It's part of the plan. Coming here, just like Adam and Eve did. And tasting, sometimes we had to taste the fruit. And see the consequences of that. And some of the consequences of this, according to Eve, is joy. Joy in the redemption. I, as I said earlier, I met my savior because of this experience. I wouldn't have known the power to transform that he has. And then she adds, because of our transgression, we wouldn't have had eternal life, which God giveth unto all the obedience. So it's kind of contradictory. She's mm -hmm. talking about transgression, but at the same time, she's saying that to all the obedient, God gives eternal life. And it, it is beautiful. I, I find the, the plan of salvation and the particular, the little plans that God has for each one of us, like the plan that he had for me, that was to go through all of this, which was my choice, but he, he put everything together so that I could have this experience. He's put it together in such a way that I get the perfect design of the plan that is for me to become the man that I can become or to learn the lessons that I needed to learn. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, that's why earlier I, I like to call it faith expansion rather than a faith crisis or, or leaving the church because of a sinful life. It, ultimately, it can all lead to a faith expansion. And I think the best thing that family members can do is just keep praying, keeping the faith, going to the temple, fasting continually, which probably they're already doing it. I know my parents never stopped fasting for me, never stopped going to the temple to leave my name there. And so if we continue to do these things, I know that our Savior is mindful of all of us who have strayed away and he will bring us back. We've covenanted with him and the covenant that we made with him, he will never fail it. And he remembers that covenant when the time is right. After having learned the experiences that we all need to learn, hopefully most of us will come back. I love that so much. One of the things you brought up was Elder Bednar saying, we learn by faith or we learn by experience. And I'm glad you mentioned that because... I've received emails from people and messages that say, are you suggesting that we leave the church to have a greater testimony? And that is not what we're suggesting here. I've also had people say, hey, you know, I appreciate your story, but I'm worried that the younger generation is going to hear this and say, well, look at her life. Her life is pretty great and she got to do all this stuff. And mm -hmm. the thing that, I want to reiterate for listeners is that the amount of heartache and pain that we went through during those times, it's like, there is another way and it's learning by faith instead of experience. Yeah. And the yeah. learning by experience path can be extremely painful. And side note, one of the things that I say when people say, like, I want you to share your story, but I'm worried that our youth might think that they can go do that and then come back and be okay. And I say, I've had over 30 friends, close friends to me, who are no longer with us. They've passed away because of drug overdose. When you're learning by experience, you risk a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you risk 
not coming back. You risk all of the dangers. Like for me, I feel like the church is so inspired that we have the word of wisdom. The fact that we have this entire community of people who are sober because that's just what they've chosen for their life. And it's part of our religious beliefs is so testimony building for me after experiencing what I went through with alcohol and drugs. You don't have to go through what we went through to experience strength and testimony. But if you are going through that, it can make you stronger because of it. And you're on the parent side of it. And that's your experience with it. Or maybe you are the sibling of somebody going through it, or maybe it could be, it could look all of these different ways. It's the creation fall and atonement. And yes. it's, it's part of the plan is to go it's part of the plan. And, and maybe it's a, an illness, you know, maybe it's not like a self inflicted, you know, thing, you know, you just don't know, you don't have to leave the church, but everybody has their own Gethsemane that they're going through. Absolutely. They will go through to give them that experience. And it doesn't have to be the path that you and I went down. Like it doesn't have to be that way. It it could be something different. Absolutely. I think that people like you or I, for I'll speak for myself. I feel like my mission is to testify that wickedness never was happiness. Yes. And I, I feel that way so much. Yeah. I want to help people to realize, hey, learn by faith is less painful. Mm-hmm. Right. I love the law of chastity. You were talking about the word of wisdom. I love the law of chastity. It, it is such a blessing. We have no idea how wonderful it is. And, and I don't think we understand the consequences of it until like we break it. In my case, when, until I broke it, I didn't get it. Yeah. But it protects the heart. It protects, you know, the body emotionally, mentally, in so many different ways. But I'll speak of the heart because I find that the powers of creation bring two people together in a unique way that is meant for the rearing of children so that when things are hard and difficult, uh, parents can stay together, right? But when it's used inappropriately, those bonds are still strong. But when people try to leave each other or there is, you know, you know, toxic relationships or anything like that. It just messed things up so bad. It just hardens the heart, ultimately. Not keeping the law of chastity, one of the consequences for me was that my heart was hardened and I wouldn't appreciate nature anymore. I couldn't connect with beauty anymore. I couldn't love anymore, mm-hmm. uh, which Alma also talks about that to his son, uh, one of the sons, I can't remember which one, that he almost says basically love and lust are in- inversely proportional. I don't know how to say that, but like if I experience lust, it's hard to experience love and, and vice versa, right? And so our goal is love. The way to diminish those kinds of feelings of lust is by increasing our capacity for love. And in that regard, if I am in lust, feeling love is hard. That's where I was at some point. And it's not a fun place to be. It's dark. It's sad. And it's painful. Repentance is painful. So definitely, I mean, when we read Alma, what he had to go through after leaving the church and coming back, the the words he expresses, the anguish in the soul, 
oh my goodness, it's heart wrenching. So no, <laughs> learning by faith is much better. But yeah. I think precisely that's one of our my my mission. At, at least how I've I've experienced it is is to say, hey, you don't have to go through that. You don't have to go through the things that I went through to know that wickedness never was happiness. Like there is so much more joy in, in following the path of Jesus than following the path of discipleship and, and the covenant path. Because ultimately, sure, repentance is real and is there for everyone, but it has a price. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so true. I love what you said about the law of chastity. And I don't very often get in like social media banter. Every once in a while, I just can't help myself but say like my little two cents. And somebody... (laughs) on Facebook was announcing they're leaving the church again, like as we're saying, everybody has their journey that they have to go through, but it can be very loud for those that are listening and it can hurt. And it's just like kind of shocking. So in the comment section, you know, you've got people that are just like, Hey, like, you know, all the love. And then you have people that are like, Oh, the church is, you know, this and this and this. And somebody had mentioned purity culture and how like it's so toxic. And then also how silly it is, the word of wisdom. And once you leave, I could not help myself. And I had to go in there and I said, you know what? When I was a sexually active teenager, (laughs) I went through so much heartache and I wish I would have listened to those lessons about the law of chastity. I wish I would have taken those into my heart. And when things came my way, I remembered that because I would have avoided so much heartache had I listened to that. And the word of wisdom, I am like, again, what I was just saying, like, I am so just amazed that we have this entire congregation of people where we believe that we shouldn't drink alcohol and smoke cigarettes. It's so amazing to me because I don't, I don't know many religions where they say no alcohol or, you know what I mean? Like it's when I got sober, it was such a gift for me to be around all these people that were choosing to be sober, not because they were alcoholics, but because this is the life that they chose for themselves. Absolutely. It blows my mind how young men, when you think about Joseph Smith, you know, most of the things he did, he was in his 20s. Like, what did I do in my 20s? Like, I didn't do much. Yeah. Right. But he did so many things. And this 20 something year old was able to come up with what science found out 100 years later. It wasn't until like the early 1900s when we found out that cigarettes cause cancer. And this 20 year old something man he already was receiving revelation from God saying, hey guys, let's not do this. And he probably didn't even know why. He probably didn't know what cancer meant, et cetera, but God knew. Mm-hmm. And something that comes to me right now is a lesson I learned from my first daughter when she was only like six months or a year, buckling her uh, into the car seat was the worst. Like she yeah. hated it. She would cry so much. And I learned something from that experience. I, I couldn't explain to her the laws of the land that we're going to get a ticket if, you know, she's not strapped in or that it's dangerous because we're going to be going in a highway that is so fast. Like, it didn't matter that I explained these things to her. She wouldn't have understood as a six-month-old. And she would have kept, she kept crying. 
even if I tried to explain these things, I didn't even try, but I realized there's nothing I can tell her to calm her down and she will still cry anyway. So I realized that I was like that child many times, but why I want to do this now, but I want to do this my way. There are things that even if God wanted to explain to us, we would not be able to understand. And that is the beauty of commandments. It's it's that parents say, do not cross the street. You're going to get hurt if you do. There are cars driving fast. You will get hurt. Don't do it. And that's the beauty of our Heavenly Father. He's giving us commandments to keep us safe. Our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our emotions, our bodies. That's all He wants. When I'm able to understand the love of Heavenly Father through commandments, it's so much easier to keep the commandments for sure. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. <laughs> Tell me, what what do you want to leave listeners with? We've This has been so amazing and just so impactful. And I could keep going with you all night if I didn't have kids to put to bed. But <laughs> I hope you trim this, but I love you so much. <laughs> I love you so much. I just feel like, we, we, we get each other. We, we get, totally get like, each oh other. Oh my gosh. When I listened to your story, I was just like, wow. <laughs> wow. And the beauty and the power of Christ's love oh, for man. us is that he can transform us. I kept looking at you. I'm like, I can't believe that she went through all of the stuff she's telling us. Because, you know, even if it's a reference in movies of how the underworld is dark mm-hmm. and everything, it's like, look at her. She does not look like she was there, and yet you were. And that's the part of Jesus to transform, right? Like his first miracle was to transform water into wine. And it was almost as, you know, foretelling, Mm -hmm. foreshadowing, this is what I can do. I can transform things. I can transform people. And I feel like that's what he's done with my life. Not about being, you know, going from gay to straight. It's never been a that but going from pride and not knowing to knowing good from evil and becoming perhaps a little bit more humble than I I was Mm -hmm. back then I just love the teachings of the church around family without the teachings of the church around family I would not have even tried to have a family and yet I know that there are many brothers and sisters who are single, who are choosing to stay in the covenant path that love their Heavenly Father so much, they will still have a place in Heavenly Father's presence in the celestial kingdom with celestial beings, with celestial bodies. I know there is room for everyone in Heavenly Father's kingdom. And as Jesus said, he has many mansions, many mansions, and he's preparing them to receive us. So I know that Christ lives. I know that he's our savior. I know that he's our redeemer and that through him, all things are possible and that he loves us and that he will do everything and anything to make sure that we return to Heavenly Father's presence if we choose to walk back holding his hand, holding his cloak, his robe, and we'll make it. Somehow we will all make it holding hands with each other's holding into onto each other's testimonies we will all be brought back by our savior i know i know it's his mission and he's committed to it mm-hmm. i love that so much <laughs> yeah. 
I just want to invite everyone who's watching to come to the North Star Conference. It's in June in Salt Lake City, Utah, June 20th to the 22nd. It is an opportunity for LGBTQ individuals or people who identify as same-sex attracted with their families, relatives, church leaders, anyone who is interested in becoming an ally into this uh, community. We welcome you at the North Star Conference. Go to northstarsaints.org to find more information. It is a wonderful experience. It is the most Zion-like place or gathering I've ever been to where there is an abundance of love and knowledge and understanding around issues that at times are so hard to wrap our heads around. But with love and through Christ, all things are possible. So come to the conference. We'd be so happy to have you there. And I also invite you to, if you're listening to this and you speak Spanish and you're in Latin America, come to Mexico. We have a Spanish conference in Mexico, August 31st. We will have Sister Aburto join us, and it'll be a wonderful experience for our Latin American friends, uh, Spanish-speaking friends, to also find hope in Christ and know that there is a way to reconcile faith, faith and feelings and that it is possible to live the law of chastity and follow Christ and his covenants and his commandments happily while experiencing same-sex attraction. Thank you. Julio, thank you so much for taking the time. I am so grateful that we got to hang out tonight and you're just such a good person and I just appreciate you so much. So thank you. Thank you, Ashley. This is amazing. I, I, I'm excited. I am just so happy. Me too. Take okay. care. Have a good night. A lot of people have asked us how they can support the podcast, and we have created a Comeback Podcast merch line on our website, www.comebackpodcast.org. All of the money made from the merch goes right back into the podcast. So if you are interested in supporting the podcast um, and you want to purchase some merch, we would love it. Check it out. Hey, guys. First off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help, so thank you so much. I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media, so I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, there's a list of our book club selections, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.